This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. There's a new governor in town as of Tuesday. So today on CityCast Las Vegas, we're talking with Ivana Kinsella. She was the chief of staff to the outgoing Sisolak administration. It's kind of an exit interview that you will not hear anywhere else. We talk about the high points and the low points, and we even dive into the deep of the North Shore COVID testing controversy that became a flashpoint in the election. It's Thursday, January 5th, 2022. I'm David Figler, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Ivana Kinsella, welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You were appointed to be the governor's chief of staff in September 2021, which was after the legislative session. What were the main responsibilities of your job? So as chief of staff, you have to work really closely with the governor. And that relationship really determines how the chief of staff will operate. No two chiefs of staff to governors in the country have the same structure. If you look at the National Governors Association, they break it down into like a CEO model versus a COO model versus um, a chair to the board model. There are lots of different ways to think about it. Right. In Nevada, the chief of staff, at least in my time, my job was to lead the executive branch. So I worked really closely with the cabinet to run the governor's office, which was a spectacular team of folks who despite having one of the smallest governor's office in the country, do Mm. incredible work every day. And then working closely with the governor to execute his vision for the state. And that plays out in everything from being the first call when there are snowy roads and we have to determine whether or not we're going to have a late start to the operations of government, all the way to helping design strategy for the budget. No two days are the same. And it is sometimes overwhelming, sometimes chaotic, but always really rewarding work. I love that you're getting into the the nitty gritty of it, like the phone call for the snowy days, which uh, I'm sure were plentiful from up north. Now, you've had a lot of interesting jobs leading up to this one. You served as a state senator and you did some political work and you worked in the Biden administration. Was there anything about this job, working as the chief of staff for Governor Sisolak, that surprised you? Yes, every day. (laughs) Yes. Uh, The biggest surprise was how ill-equipped our state government is to meet the needs of a really quickly changing dynamic state. Our state government is not designed to to operate in a 2023 Nevada. Everything from our tax structure to the almost entirely horizontal structure of our executive branch really keep us from being able to be more nimble and forward moving. And I thought I understood that as a state senator, but 
actually being in the mechanics of it yeah was wild no fault to any individual it's entirely structural we sometimes we just bumped up against walls that felt unnecessary and i imagine you know sometimes the public saw those walls in very big ways we had the whole breakdown of Dieter, uh, which was the unemployment system but there were other things too that we probably don't know about Let, let's talk a little bit about 2022 as a year you were there the full year it was also an election year, which was pretty rough for your boss, Steve Sisolak. He turned out to be the only Democrat governor incumbent to lose in the 2022 cycle. What do you think, Ivana, happened here that didn't happen in the other states where the Democrat, who had some of the same challenges, got reelected? It's hard to compare what Nevada went through during the height of COVID and of the pandemic to what any other state experienced because we're such a service sector driven economy. When the governor made what are some of the hardest decisions I think any governor will hopefully ever have to make in the history of our state, it put a lot of people in tough spots, maybe for the first time in their lives. We had people who for the first time had to rely on food banks to feed their families, who for the first time had to look to unemployment as a way to support themselves or support their families who through no fault of their own and because of something totally out of their control were kept out of work and their lives were suddenly uprooted. In some cases you had single moms in apartments with four kids and suddenly she had to be an algebra teacher and an art teacher and a mom and do her own job and you know on and on and on with examples. I think people were able to understand why those decisions were made, but they made a decision at the ballot box to choose a different direction. They they weren't able to forget what those moments were like. And I firmly believe the governor did the right thing. He saved countless lives, mm. but paid an electoral price that was probably unique to Nevada in a lot of ways. And I'm going to say that's a, th a thoughtful analysis of a lot of the voters. What didn't happen, though, was that wasn't a real push in the in the advertising, right, the campaign ads. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about North Shore. That was the COVID testing company mentioned in that ProPublica story about false results and also favoritism from the governor. That was all part of that story. And I know it's a hard question, but since you were referenced as a point person for the Sisolak administration with North Shore... Did you feel responsible in any way for an issue that had some degree of traction with the voters, at least in the ad cycle? I, you can't help but think, what role did I play in the election? And it, because I have a background in electoral politics, I certainly spent some time thinking about that. But I also don't think the North Shore... It's not really a story. It was, what happened with North Shore was so different than the way it was discussed in the campaign. And what happened was we were in the Omicron surge and we were getting a ton of incoming on a lack of testing capacity. And it was before the Biden administration had really gotten to a point where testing was widely available. And so I got an email. I was the first point of contact from Mike Wilden, former chief of staff to Governor Sandoval, longtime DHHS employee, right. which is the Department of Health and Human Services, ran the Department of Health and Human Services. And he said, hey, hearing from the community that there are challenges getting testing, who do I talk to now that X person is no longer there as the COVID point person? 
oh, talk to this person. Let's figure this out together. And what I didn't know was who he was emailing me on and who he was in contact with was someone who was the son of a donor to the governor. I didn't know that. And I acted the way I would have had anyone sent me a query on what was happening in the community, asking a question. One of the things I'm most proud of was I tried my hardest to be as responsive and as transparent as possible and to play the connector role that um, is really important in making sure people have access to government. We actually had an episode on the podcast about that with Anjanette Damon, uh, who wrote the story. And you would agree that her reporting was level, fair? Yes, um, in that she took the time to look at a lot of the documents, did the public records work. She's an incredible investigative reporter. However, the intricacies of licensing versus contracting and the role the state played versus the role municipalities and the university and the school, Washoe School District played in that there are differences in procurement versus licensing weren't ever really fleshed out. Well, let me ask you the, the ultimate question then. Do you think that the Lombardo campaign bringing up North Shore as a failure of the Sislak administration was unfair? I don't. I believe in taking responsibility for action. So and all is fair in politics. So <laughs> okay. um, I don't think there's ever anything that's unfair to bring up in campaigns. Campaigns are the worst. They played at the like least common denominator of intellect. They're, they're just campaign. Campaigns are generally just the worst in messaging. Uh, so do I think it was unfair? No, I don't think anything's off the table, but I firmly believe we did everything possible at the state level as soon as we were made aware of the issue to reverse course and make sure that we were thorough in dealing with North Shore. And if you're playing defense in politics, you're losing. So there wasn't a a great way to explain that. Do I think they talked about it fairly? No, but that's politics. That's political campaigning. Yeah. I, I can come up with one example of unfair campaigning that you would agree with me on, though, <laughs> straight up. And that is that Ivana Kinsella does not like dogs. Oh, God. Do yeah. you remember? I, I do very much like dogs. <laughs> yes. You remember your, you had an opponent in a, in an election uh, where he kind of tried to insinuate that you did not like dogs. And we all, oh, yeah. that was when he lost yeah. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right. Hey, let's let's fast forward to the last day of the Sisolak administration. What was the vibe like in the office or is it the mansion? Where do you all hang out? And what was the vibe like? <laughs> so we had two offices. We had an office in the Capitol and one in Grant Sawyer, which is a government building on Washington um, in Las Vegas. And it was pretty quiet, right? You reach a point where you've done most everything you can. It was also the Friday before New Year's weekend. So 
the governor let folks go home early and the team, you know, said our goodbyes and that was it. We cleaned out our offices. It was a long goodbye. It was a long stretch between election day and the end of the administration. So we had lots of moments to celebrate all the good work we did and celebrate with each other and talk about the best, the hardest, the things you won't forget moments, and then leave the office in the best shape possible so the next administration could come in and get to work. Let's talk about some of the accomplishments. The The governor hasn't really been open to taking questions in the last few days about it, but he did issue a list of what he saw as his biggest accomplishments of the term. Which one of those accomplishments that Governor Sisolak put out there were, were you personally most proud of? Probably the Home Means Nevada initiative. We figured out how to use American Rescue Plan dollars to put $500 million of funding toward affordable housing into the community. And it won't fix the problem. We have a lot of work to do on housing in Nevada. But it started the work to push us to at least being at baseline, right? We're not so far behind that we are going to be struggling with this issue in a severe way for years to come. And we won't see those developments all get built. We didn't see those developments all get built last year. They will be built over the course of the next few years by 2026. That's what the rules mandate. And to think about 10 years from now when someone is able to get a home that wasn't there until we did that work, I'm really, really proud of that. Where do you see the Lombardo administration going with all that work that you started? Well, it's my hope that they will pick up where we have left off. We allocated 1.9 billion American Rescue Plan dollars. Those have all sorts of federal rules to them and have really specific reporting requirements. Separate from that, the Lombardo administration will start the 2023 session with over a billion in what are called one-shot dollars, excess revenue dollars that can be spent on one-shot items because they're not dollars that will be there long-term necessarily. And so it's my hope that the Lombardo administration will take some of the items that we put into the budget as one-shot items and use them to build on things like housing and mental health and all of these issues that we know are incredibly important and also historically underfunded to do good work and build on what we've already done instead of looking backwards and trying to undo things. Can the Lombardo administration derail what you started if they wanted to? They could take things in different directions and they'll have to negotiate with the legislature to do that because the legislative session is controlled by a Democratic Assembly and Senate, and they can try to push to move in a different direction to overhaul some of the policies we put in place. But it would be really hard to imagine them completely derailing any of the work. How about some of these one-shots? Can they pull their own one-shots if they wanted to? Or Yeah, they will design. So one of the last things we did as a CISLAC administration was put together the skeleton of the budget and make budget decisions. So on housing, we put in $100 million of that over close to $1.5 billion with a B in one shots. We said $100 million of those goes to the Nevada Division of Housing to be a revolving affordable housing loan fund mm. so that at any time we can work with developers to build affordable housing. They may or may not decide to keep that in the budget. They now take the decisions we made on one shots and on 
the capital improvements projects and on the, the entirety of the budget and make it their own. So we will see at the end of the month as Lombardo, as Governor Lombardo gives a state of the state, what decisions they've made with the one shots, with agency budgets, with general fund dollars. And we'll know a bit more about the new governor's priorities through that. Sounds good. And we'll all cross our fingers that we don't hear that all one billions going into the world's largest slot machine. <laughs> then everyone has to fight about if it goes up north or down here, et cetera. Right. Right. That's right. Um, a new team started to move in as you were moving out, essentially. How, how did you view your role at this specific point of transition? I thought it was really important to ensure continuity of government, to show a peaceful transition of power and to make sure we did everything we could to leave the office in better hands than we found it and that we were as ready and able to offer assistance as the new administration started putting their team together. Because what we saw on January 6th a few years ago and the way that we talk about elections in this country can be really scary. And it would be really troubling if any sort of story or rumor got out that we were being petty or challenging or that we weren't being helpful because that's not good for people who are reliant on government. So from day one, the governor reached out to the governor-elect and said, here to help. I reached out to Ben Kiekefer as soon as he was named chief of staff. We put together transition memos. We answered any question that came our way and did our best to make sure they were ready to get to work on day one. I appreciate that to know, and I think uh, all fans of democracy appreciate that too. You mentioned Ben Kiekefer. You know your replacement pretty well. I'd imagine you served in the state Senate with him. When you reached out to him, did you give him some advice? Would you want to give him advice that you haven't yet? Um, Well, one is I told him the governor's office is entirely too small to meet the needs that it is tasked with. I spent a good chunk of last year studying other state governments and state government models and governor's offices with the hopes of having one of the signature bills the governor would run in the next legislative session be a government modernization bill. And I handed all that work off to, to Ben, along with the team that was working on it of some private sector folks, some outside government folks, just people who have spent time thinking about organizational management. And I said, if you do nothing else, work to change government and the governor's office, because it will make you, the governor-elect, now Governor Lombardo, and the executive branch more successful. Um, I think I probably lost him about 30 minutes into my soapboxing on that, which I'm happy to do at any time. But yeah, um, a little rough saying, hey, you know what you really need to do, Ben, in uh, Lombardo? Uh, more government. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need more government in your office. But I, I feel that so deeply in my bones that if we work to change the structure of our state government, we will be able to meet so many of the challenges we face. So Ivana Kinsella, what what's next for you? What are you going to do after all this amazing experience that you've had in our state? I'm going to regroup with my family this month. I'm spending the next two weeks in Miami with my family, just hanging out. I'm going to go to Rome for 10 days and do a me trip and just spend some time with myself. And then I was going to say, ooh la la, but that's the wrong language. (laughs) 
Okay. And then, and then, and then? I, I don't know. Um, and then I'm going to figure it out, but I need some time to get back in touch with myself. I've spent almost 16 months thinking about Nevada and Nevadans and Governor Sisolak, and I need some time to think about me. Some days I think about spending the next six months studying for the bar exam while starting a small dog walking business. Some days nice. I want to go work on the front lines of reproductive justice. I don't know, but I know that it will be great, but I'm going to have to get myself in good shape first. Okay. And now here's the $1 billion one shot question. Will you stay in Nevada? I don't know. Um, it really depends on opportunity, but my heart is always in Nevada. So my hope is to, at the very least, stay within the work in Nevada. And if I can stay there and if there's an opportunity there, I'd really like to. Okay, I'm going to end this with the uh, universal motto, fist bump, home means Nevada, Ivana. <laughs> home means Nevada, yes. Thanks so much for joining us on CityCast Las Vegas. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Okay, y'all, it's time for a little news before you go. As the Raiders move on from quarterback Derek Carr, they reportedly have their eyes on none other than Tom Brady, everyone's favorite ageless wonder if he doesn't retire. Uh, his isn't the only name in the Raiders mix, though. Others mentioned include Jimmy Garoppolo and even Aaron Rodgers. And unlike me, if you're a football fan, those are probably really big names. Meanwhile... If you haven't heard of Spiegel World, which I definitely have, you've probably heard of the company's over-the-top shows on the Strip. Absinthe, OPM, The Atomic Saloon Show. Now it's bought its own town, Nipton. That's right there on the Nevada-California border. The company plans to make it into a circus village where visitors can mingle with performers as they create new shows. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoyed hearing about the inner workings of our government or just that inside goss, let us know on the socials and tell a friend. Then rate the show, whether you listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever the person next to you in the coffee shop is listening on. Hey, don't forget to leave us a review there too and subscribe to our brilliant morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with our Friday News Roundup. They're really fun, so tune in. Talk soon. We're just waiting for the noise in the back to maybe die down a little bit. Sorry. No, it happens. You're with fam. <laughs> they're, okay. they're cooking dinner. Sorry.